Lord Jesus. He came to this earth to show us the way to forgive our sins. We love you, Lord. We honor you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Glory, glory, glory. Thank you, Lord. We all may be seated this morning. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. It's good, good, good morning. Good morning. Thank you, Father. And uh, we need to greet every day and say this is the day the Lord has made. I'll rejoice and be glad in it. Amen, amen. We don't need to ask our thoughts or our feelings their opinion. You know, I used to be that person that would wake up, my eyes would pop open, and I'd ask my body, okay, body, how do you feel today? Brain, what do you think today? And I tell you what, more times than not, my body and my brain put me in a bad mood. But what I but I've learned to sit, get up in the morning and greet the Lord and and make the decision and to tell my body, body, you're going to be healthy, body, you're going to be whole, body, you're going to rejoice, you're going to re, you're going to uh, uh, bless the Lord and keep His word in my mouth at all time in your mouth at all times. And I found that I have much better successful days, much better, more successful days. Um, and that's called living out of your spirit, and it's much better to live out of your spirit than out of your flesh. Um, so, by the way, welcome to Disciples House. Uh, we are a Word and Spirit church where the Word and Spirit come together to reveal the power of God. Uh, it was so funny. It was, we had lunch with James and Sue and Richard and Brooke and her friend Roger yesterday, and we were talking and found out that he would actually like to come live in this area and I said, well, just say the word. We'll start praying. And uh, Brother James popped up, and he said, now look out. He said, when pastor start, he said if you get pastor to start praying, go ahead and, go ahead and just start packing the boxes because she knows how to get results. Um, and that's because we know how to operate by the word and the spirit. Uh, this coming weekend, unfortunately, Pastor Michael, as far as we know, is not going to be home for this, and he's very sorry for that. Uh, but Friday night at 7 o'clock, we're going to do our, our anniversary service. You know, uh, you know, we tend to only big, make a big to-do over the, you know, the five years and the 10 and the 20, 25 and what have you. You know, so you say, oh, it's four years. But you know what? It's four years of submission to God. It's four years of miracles. It's four years of answered prayers. It's four years of victory over Satan. Um, and that's nothing to sneeze at. So we decided we're going to come into the house and we're going to pr- sing praises and worship to God. And we're going to give testimonies. And we're just going to give God all the glory and the honor because it's his house and it's his work. So come join us. Invite people that you know to come join us. We're not stealing anybody out of anybody's church. We just want to celebrate God and what he's working on. Uh, it's going to be, you know, I don't know how late we're, we're not going to be here till midnight unless the Holy Ghost shows up. Uh, but we're going to turn around and be back in the house at 8 o'clock Saturday morning to pray for the nation for those that are available. If you're not available, then just pray for the nation where you're at. But, and here's the deal. Don't just pray for the nation once a month. Pray for the nation daily um, so that it, that it'll go well with us so that we can live in peace. But there's something that can you can accomplish more when we come together in corporate prayer. So we do that corporate prayer once a month. And then Sunday morning, I'm super excited about Sunday morning. Sunday morning, we're going to talk about the vision of the ministry, the assignment that God has given to Disciples House. And one of our assignments is that we're going to raise up disciples and send them out. And uh, Sunday morning, we're going to send Brother Richard out. He's got an assignment from God to go to Houston. Uh, and he's got a prayer assignment. And uh, I know he's not 
You say, well, prayer, why can't he do that here? Well, sometimes your geographic location matters. Uh, and then I'm sure that the only that he's going to be doing more than prayer. He's got some people to meet and speak to and speak the life of God into. Um, and we believe that the Lord's going to lead him and guide him and direct him to that place. Um, and so, and, and, uh, so we're going to lay hands on him. And we're going to commission him to go out and do what God's called him to do. And uh, I know this was a shock and a surprise to Brooke when Richard told her. But uh, I've actually known for quite a long time in my spirit. The Lord talked to me a long time ago and said he'll be here for a season, but then you're going to send him out for a season. Uh, so he'll be gone. The current plan is he'll be gone about two years. I believe that God's going to shorten that because I don't want him to be gone that long. Uh, but that's the current plan. And uh, so we just believe we're just going to trust and believe uh, that the Lord's going to use them in a very mighty and powerful way. And then uh, at the end of the month, August 22nd through the 24th, Brother Randy will have his Contending Faith Bible Conference in Gatlinburg. Well, it used to be in Gatlinburg. We've actually moved to Pigeon Forge. It's a very nice facility that we're going to be in. Um, very, very nice facility. Um, and this is not just open to ministers. This is open to anybody in the body of Christ. Uh, that wants to contend for Christian values and Christian things and contend for faith and contend for the Bible. Uh, so that's what this conference is about. Uh, Pastor Mike and I will be there the whole week. We'll go up on Monday and, stay and come home on Friday because we're part of the road team. Uh, but I know several of y'all are planning on coming up for some services or all services. And, uh, and you know, you're online. You can get there. Come on in. Um, and then we'll be back in the house on September 2nd for Prayer of the Nation. And then, of course, you know, we're always praying and looking forward to camp for next year. Uh, we've got more stuff coming on the calendar. I know, um, before I forget, Miss Bridges probably already planning the next lady's shopping trip in her mind. Uh, so, you know, we've got to get back to school and shopping and holiday shopping and all of that. I pick on Bridget because she's the one that normally says, hey, it's about time for that. Um, but, but we all enjoy it. So we'll get that on the calendar and, and, uh, you know, we'll just continue to set up some different fellowships. Fellowships are good because it builds your relationships and that's what those are for. And then, um, our meditation for this week, um, first Peter five ten. Now I want you to really think about this first Peter five ten. It says, uh, but the God of all grace who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, each and every one of us have been called. Each and every one of us have been called by God's glory. Um, and we're called in and by the name of Jesus Christ. But check the, the, the next part of this verse probably will cause your head to tilt. It says, after that you have suffered a while. After you have suffered a while. Like, wait, Jesus, What? <laughs> what do you mean you called us God to suffer? Well, how much, you know, when you're out there, before you come into Christ, you're letting your body run rampant. And you're letting your flesh do whatever it wants to do, say whatever it wants to say, behave however it wants to say. Um, and then when you come into Christ, uh, your spirit gets born again, and you've got to start to rein that flesh in. And your flesh, I assure you, does not like it. Uh, and so you go through a season of suffering, a season of hardship, a season of cutting things and people out of your life, a season of change. Um, you know, uh, you know, this is, you know, um, caterpillars do this. 
But when they go through their suffering season, they're closed up in a, co- in a cocoon. When we go through our suffering season, we're still just trying to get through life day by day. But as we suffer, as we make the changes, as we make the adjustments, it says this. He says, make you perfect, establish you, or in our modern language, we would say establish, uh, strengthen, and settle you. Isn't that good? So when you're going through your season of suffering, just know that season of suffering is going to bring you to a place of perfection or maturity. It's going to bring you to a place of being established in the spirit and therefore established in the natural. It's going to bring you to a place where you're strengthened by God's might, power, and ability. And it's going to settle you in the abundant life of Christ. And uh, so is it worth the suffering period? Absolutely. So let's confess this together. By my God of all grace, who hath called me into his, who hath called me in (laughs) to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. After I have suffered a while, he makes me perfect, establishes, strengthens, and settles me. Isn't that good? I really encourage you to meditate on this week. You know, yeah, we confess it, but I I encourage you to put this bulletin, put it on your mirror, put it on your desk at your office, put it on your dash, set it on your car seat. So every time you got to get in a car, you got to move it, do something where you'll see it and meditate and think on this all week long. I know Brianna, she saw last week's uh, scripture and she said, you know, she said, when you put it the way Pastor Mike put it, she said, That really means that every sin that I've committed, that Jesus has endured the punishment for me. And I said, that's what it means. And she said, you know, that hurts my heart. And I said, it should. That's the result of meditating. And she said, honestly, until I just saw it just now, it didn't really land. So it took a whole week for it to land. So that's why we, so we give this to you, not just to fill in time in the service, because trust me, I could fill it up with preaching of the word. Uh, We give it to you to help teach you how to meditate. Our healing scripture is so short and simple, but it's so good and it's so true. Uh, in, in this psalm, the psalmist asks a question that we all know the answer to. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities? Who healeth all thy diseases? We know the answer. Let's say this together. My, ha- my God has forgiven all of my iniquities, all of my sins, all of my missteps, all of my failures, all of my mistakes. Therefore, he has healed all of my diseases. Isn't that good? So good. So, so good. Well, let's pray and uh, let's stand up while we pray and give God some reverence. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet. Uh, standing to our feet just puts our flesh under and shows God that we respect him. And that we reverence them and then we'll pray and do our confession with some faith and some confidence. Uh, We'll say it like we mean it even if our head disagrees. And then uh, we'll move into the, the, the presence of the Lord. So, Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we just love you. We just adore you. Father, we're so thankful that we live in a country where we can gather publicly in your presence. Father, we've already bound Satan this morning, but, Father, we take authority over him once again. 
Satan, you have no right to this house. You have no right to this property. You have no right to the minds and the emotions of the people. We bind you, and the word says that whatsoever we bind on earth is bound in heaven. So we bind you, and we command you to get out and go back to the pit where you came from. And, Father, we thank you for your goodness, your love, and your mercy. Father, we loose the angels of heaven to bring bring the word and the message this morning. And, Father, we thank you that we have the prayers of our heart. Father, if there's any word that needs to be spoken, if there's anything that needs to be said, we release it to be said. Father, we've had this service we dedicate to your plan, your purpose, and your design. Father, we choose to set in our heart that we'll receive. We'll not be bumps on a log, but we'll be receptors of heaven. And, Father, we give you all the glory and the honor and the praise. Father, we choose to lift up holy hands and holy voices as we're a royal priesthood to give you honor and praise that only you are due. And, Father, we do it with joy and gladness in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Derek, lead us in our confession. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Good morning, Disciples House. Let's do our confession together. I am the image of God. I am spirit and flesh. I am very good. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am crucified. I am a new creation and a new creature. I am dead to the flesh, but I live in Christ. I am dead to sin quickened to life, and saved by grace. I am buried with Christ by baptism. I am raised from the dead with him. I walk in the newness of life. I am forgiven and redeemed. I am an ambassador of Christ. I am the righteousness of God. I am the workmanship of God's hands. I am created and ordained to do good works. I am justified by faith. I am chosen and I abide in Christ. I am holy and without blame. I am predestined for adoption. I am more than a conqueror. I am an overcomer and I am greater. I live, move, and have my being in Christ. I reign as a king in this life. I can do all things in and through Christ. I am near to God by the blood of Jesus. I am raised and seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Jesus, I am here to meet with you. Shadow where I hide the ransom for my life. Oh, he is 
it's all possible because of the blood, because of that cross. Glory, glory.
to us, but that name is given to us as though it was our very own. Father, we thank you that you set us higher than the angels. 
Father, we thank you that you seated us in your heavenly throne at your right hand in the place of position and honor. Father, we thank you that you set us for such a time as this. Father, that you chose each and every one of us for this day and this hour. And Father, we give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. Father, as we prepare to, to approach your word, Father, think through my mind, think, speak through my lips the very oracles of God. Not my plan, not my purpose, not my ideas, not my words, yours and yours alone. Use my tongue as that of the pen of the ready writer. Father, give each and every person, as Paul prayed, the spirit of wisdom, revelation, and knowledge. Open up the eyes of their understanding that they may hear and receive the word with gladness. Father, place the word. Drop it down from their mind and into their heart. Cause it to bring revelation. Life-changing revelation. Cause the word to go from logos to rhema within their hearts. And Father, give them a hunger. Not only to receive the word, but to respond to the word. Give them a hunger to respond, a hunger to be a doer, a hunger to change, a hunger to do life according to the Spirit, to live out of the Spirit and not out of the mind, the flesh, and the emotions. And Father, we thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name and all of God's people. Amen and amen. Turn around, greet somebody, tell them that you like them, even if you have to do it by faith, even if you have to do it by faith. No, we walk in love this morning. Glory, glory. That's true. Glory to God. She's not passing out hugs this morning. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 5 this morning. Hebrews chapter 5. Glory to God. Yep. Yep. Hebrews chapter 5. If you find all those T books, Thessalonians and Timothy and Titus, it's right behind there. Hebrews chapter 5. Verse 12. I want you to see this. Now, before, I, before we preach the word, I want to say this. Uh, been dealing with some issues that some people have been having. Uh, but this message was already set before any issues ever came to light. Uh, so if you feel like, if you feel like, well, God's just, you know, the pastor's just talking to me just out of the flesh, or the pastor's just saying this because what the pastor knows, well, you're wrong. This is what God has to say today. This is what God has to say today. Um, and and uh, this was already on my heart. It was already given uh, to me. Um, we've been talking about the last two weeks how to get fear, anxiety, worry, stress um, uh, out of your life, how to overcome and get victory over insecurities, depression, things like that. This, today's message is not a continuation of that, 
Uh, however, it, you could call it a supplication, maybe, uh, because what we're going to talk about today uh, goes right into it, it ties right into those things. Um, but today, um, before I say anything else, let's read verse 12. Let, let's just pick up right here in Hebrews chapter 12 and, and uh, read the word and go from there. And this is what Paul had to say by inspiration of the Holy Ghost. Um, there's some debate as if Paul wrote the book of Hebrews, but uh, we believe that he did. And it's, But really it wasn't Paul, it was the Holy Ghost through Paul. And uh, this is what the Holy Spirit had to say. The Holy Spirit had to say in his day, in his day, uh, and, and this is so much more true this day, he says, for when, for when the time... You ought to be teachers. So he was talking to Christians of his day, and he said, uh, "You ought to be teachers by now. You ought to be, be. You ought to be in a position where you're teaching." He said, "For you have need, but instead you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God." In other words, Paul was having to back up and teach the basics of Christianity. He was having to back up and teach the basics. And he said, and you are become such, and are become such as having, as have need of milk and not strong meat. For everyone that uses milk, look at this, is unskillful. We could take that word is out. He said, for everyone that uses milk, unskillful in the word of righteousness. This is a rebuke. This is a correction. He said, you've been being taught the word so long that you should be able to not only, you, sh you should not only be walking this thing, but you ought to be teaching it by example. I shouldn't have to back up, but instead I'm having to back up because you are unskillful in the basics of Christ. Because you are unskillful in the basics of Christ. He said, "You are." He said, "If you, if you, if you are still needing the, if you're still needing the word of God fed to you like a baby Christian, he said, you are unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe or a baby. Uh, if we have to back up and be taught the basics, then our position, then we're not as, as mature and grown up in the Lord as we think we are." He said, but strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, those who by reason of use have their seasons exercised to discern both good and evil. Now this right here, let me explain this. He said, he said uh, but, but strong meat belongeth to them that are full age. In other words, when a minister is able to preach the, the meatier things, the heavier things, the sterner things of the word, then, uh, they're a, then what they're doing is they're preaching to people that have some maturity. They're past the age of infancy or babyhood. Um, how much do you know when, when a new child, when a child is born, you don't just pull out the dinner plate and set the dinner plate down in front of them. Uh, you don't even set up, you don't even set the mashed food in front of them. You got to give that baby milk. And that baby's on milk for several months. For several months. And then the baby doesn't move straight from milk to steak. That, move, that baby slowly and gradually moves to mushed food. And then moves to small bites of food. 
and 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 uh, that baby's got to have time to grow some teeth, and then that baby can begin to eat meat. But even then, it only eats small beets, small amounts of meat, a little at a time. Uh, our Christian walk should be the same way. And at some point, you've got to be, you've got to get to the point. This is a, this should be a goal for you. It's a goal for me. You've got to get to the point where you can go sit down in a church service and say, "I'm ready for the full meal." I'm ready for the salad. I'm ready for the I'm ready for the appetizers. I'm ready for the full plate. I'm ready for the dessert. I want the whole meal. Uh but most Christians can't even get off the milk. You got to get to a place you need to make a desire in your heart to get off of the milk and begin to get onto the meat of the word. And he says this, he says but strong meat belongeth to them that are full age. He said, "Those who, by reason of, who by who by reason of use of their senses, exercise to discern good and evil. How do you get off of the milk of the word and onto the meat of the word? By exercising your faith." By exercising your authority, by exercising your spirit man, you get off of the milk and onto the meat by exercising spiritual things, spiritual things. You get off of the milk and onto the meat by being a doer of the word. If you are only a hearer of the word, you will be on milk all the days of your life. If you are a doer of some of the word, and then, and then at the same time a doer of no of other part, and not a doer of other parts of the word, you are still on the milk. Let me say that again. If there's some parts of the word that you do, and there's some parts of the word that you completely ignore, you are still on the milk. You have to be a doer of the completeness of the word. You have to be a doer of the completeness of the word. And God is endeavoring to get you to a place where you are a doer of the completeness of the word. I cannot tell you how many people I have been in conversations with, and I'll say something about the word, and they'll go, these are Christians, these are believers, these are tongue-talking, spirit-filled, praying, word-studying people, and they look at me and they'll say, oh, I don't agree with that. You don't agree, or I don't believe that. It's the Word of God. You don't get to pick and choose what parts of the Bible you believe. You either believe all of it or you believe none of it. If you want to pick and choose, then you want a man-made Jesus, which is a false Jesus, which isn't Jesus at all. You are deceiving yourself. In fact, James said, if you're not a doer of the Word, you deceive yourself. You deceive yourself if you're not a doer of the word. <laughs> That's just crazy to me that somebody wants to purposely walk around purposely deceived. Like, wait, what? Like, wait, what? Um, so, so you, you got you to gotta change some things. You got to change some things. It's, some time, it's time for us to change. It's time for us to change. I want you to go over to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy. 
So uh, we passed up all the T's, so just back up just a little bit, just a few books. 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Now, in the book of Timothy, Paul is getting ready. Paul knows that he's at the end of his life. Paul knows he's fixing to be martyred. He's well aware that he's fixing to come to an end. He's in and out of prison, uh, and he knows that his time is very, very short on the, end, uh, on the earth. Timothy is his spiritual son, not his natural son. Timothy is the one that he's raising up, he's training up, he's discipling Timothy to take his place. Now, I have taught in times past uh, that Timothy was a pastor, and I have taught you wrong. Just be honest. If you've, if you've taught somebody wrong in the Word, be honest that when you figure out you're teaching them wrong, be brave enough and honest enough to say, hey, I've missed it. I, you know, I got it wrong. Timothy was not a pastor. Nowhere in the Scriptures does the Bible call him a pastor. Timothy uh, was discipled by um, Paul, and Paul was an apostle. And so Timothy was being trained in the office of the apostle. What does the apostle do? The apostle goes into areas where the gospel has never been preached. The apostle pushes back darkness and establishes Christians in that area. He establishes the kingdom of God in that area, and he and that and then that apostle will disciple people in that area. And in the discipleship. There'll be somebody that God has called under that apostle that God has called to develop into the position of pastor. And that, and that apostle will train and disciple that person that God has called and ordained into the office of pastor. And when that person gets mature enough and old enough in the things of God, the apostle will turn over that ministry that that apostle established and then to that pastor. And then that apostle goes, leaves that area and goes to the next area and starts the process all over again. So when you read the books of Timothy, uh, Paul was telling Timothy how to establish churches. He was telling Timothy how to pick people that were supposed to. He, he was telling them. He was telling him these are the things that you look for when you're looking for somebody that's been called to the office of pastor. Here's how you deal with congregations that don't know how to behave in the church. Here's how you deal with babies. Here's how you deal with people that have been steeped in idol worship but are now worshiping God. Because when you are a baby in Christ, you bring all your junk with you. You hear me? You bring all of your junk with you. If you've ever dealt with little kids, little kids, you tell them, okay, we're going to town. We're going to go do this. What does that little kid want to do? They want to grab all their little stuffed animals and their transformers and their cars and their trucks and their baby dolls and their snacks, and you got to pack six bags for them, right? Well, it's no different in the kingdom of God. These babies want to grab all of their idols and all of their idol worship and all of their crazy behavior, and they want to bring that, they want to bring that style of worship into the church of the living God. And you need somebody strong enough in the pulpit to say, stop it, baby, that we're not doing that anymore, baby. It's time to grow up, baby. 
come on. And you, and, you know that that you got to give you you know. You can't, you can't jerk the, you can't just jerk the bags out of the baby's hand and just go, what's wrong with you, you stupid idiot? This is not how we behave. You might want to sometimes, uh, but you're going to damage the baby. So you got to tolerate some things for a season. But at some point, at some point, that baby's got to set those things down. At some point, they've got to set those things down. And at some point, they've got to pick up and do start doing the things of God. So in 1 Timothy chapter 4, he's telling Timothy how to deal with these babies. Let's look at verse 6. He said, uh, he said, if thou put brethren in remembrance of these things. So there were some things he was telling the babies how to do. He said, ba- he said, he said Timothy, remind the babies about how to worship God. He said, put him in remembrance of these things. And then he goes on and he says, Thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up, look at this, nourished up in what? The words of faith. Does it say nourished up in the praying in the Holy Ghost? No, it says nourished up with the word. With the word. Yes, I push you guys to pray in the Holy Ghost all the time. Because praying in the Holy Ghost makes you sensitive to the Holy Ghost. Praying in the Holy Ghost gets you to where you can hear from heaven. Praying in the Holy Ghost recharges your battery when the world's been putting pressure on you. Absolutely. You need to pray in the Holy Ghost. However, praying in the Holy Ghost does not feed your spirit praying in the holy ghost exercises your spirit it does not feed your spirit the word clearly tells us that we are to be nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine where is the doctrine of christ it's in the bible so if you want to be nourished if you want your spirit to be nourished then you have to spend time in the Word. You have to spend time in the Word. Well, Pastor, the Word is boring to me. Oh, Lord Jesus, you are doing something wrong. If the Word is boring to you, then you are treating it like a book on any, uh, you're treating it like the same ordinary book on any bookshelf anywhere. No, when you sit down and you read the Word, and when I sit down with people and I say, okay, read the word. I mean, I'll grab the Bible and I'll say, here, read this. I just did it to the girls just the other day. They were in music practice and I read something in the word. And I thought, man, this is the scripture they need. So I highlighted it and I took it out of there and I said, read. Now, Jackie and Brianna have already had the lecture on how to read. Olivia had not had the, the, the lecture yet. So I had given it to Brianna and Brianna read it appropriately. I had to remind her to leave out the italicized words to get the fullness of it. And, and I handed it to Jackie, and, and Jackie read, and, and apparently it affected her heart because she got into tears over it. And I thought, okay, well, I don't know what that's about, but God, you handle it. And then I handed it to Olivia, and Olivia read it like most people read it. She read it without any punctuation whatsoever. It was nothing more than words. Now, don't feel bad. You, they both did the same thing. I used to do the same thing. Every person I've ever sat down with has done the same thing. 
No, you've got to sit. There's a reason that there's a punctuation. The punctuation tells you to breathe and to think about what you just read. And it tells you how it goes together. Punctuation is there because it helps put it in a conversational type experience. And so... Uh, you have so you have to take the time to read the word. If I read it like they like they used to read it, I'd read it like this. Um, if thou put it, if thou put the brethren in remembrance of those things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of, of faith of the good doctrine whereunto thou hast attained. Did y'all catch any of that? What? What? No. But when we read it with punctuation. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things. There's a comma there. We take a minute. We think about it. Okay, he's telling me to put the brethren in remembrance of some things. What things? Well, and then he goes on. He says, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ. Oh, if I put things in, if I put them in remembrance, and that's going to make me a good minister of, of the Lord Jesus. Well, that's good. I want to do that. See how punctuation helps you? Nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine. Nourished up in the words of faith. What's the words of faith? Well, that's the Bible of good doctrine. Where do I get my good doctrine from? Well, I get that out of the Bible. So if I read, take time reading the word, that means I'm going to be nourished up. Well, that's good. Whereunto thou has attained. So if I, if I spend time in the word, I'm going to attain something. Doesn't that completely change how you receive it? Completely change how you receive it. It completely changes it. Completely changes it. If the word of God is boring to you, it's because you're just treating it like a book and you're not treating it like the Lord Jesus. Because if you understand, when you understand that this book is alive and it is active and it's able to pierce and separate your spirit, your soul, and your body, when it's able to correct your life, when you understand that it's able, that there's promises in here about how to obtain the abundant life that Jesus came to give you, it will begin to, and, and you approach it with, a, with, the, with the mindset of, Lord, I'm here to be taught of you, it will change your approach and it will no longer be boring to you. And then he goes on and he tells them, he said, but refuse. Look at what he said. He said, the Holy Spirit said, but refuse. You know what the word refuse means? It means do not receive it no matter what it takes. But refuse profane and old wise fables. He said, in other words, he said, basically he said, Refuse to receive old foolish things is really what he was saying. And, 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 not only refuse, but, but, and exercise thyself onto godliness. Exercise yourself onto godliness. How do you exercise yourself onto godliness? You exercise yourself onto godliness by being a doer of the word. In other words, if the word says you don't drink, you don't drink. If the word says you don't smoke, you don't smoke. If the word says you don't have sex, you don't have sex. If the word says you don't look at pornography, you don't look at pornography. If the word says that if you lust after somebody in your mind, you've already committed adultery, then you keep your eyes in your head and you keep your thoughts clear. You 
you keep your thoughts pure. You see somebody good looking, and all of a sudden there's a movie of you getting with them in the bed in your brain. You grab that thing, and you say, shut up and get out of my brain, you foul devil. And then you say, good job, God, and move on. It's all right to acknowledge the, crea- the, the craftsmanship of God's hand. It's not okay to take it and lust after it. It's not okay. It's not okay. When God says, when God says, keep his word in your mouth at all times, uh, and you choose to keep the devil's word in your mouth, are you being a doer of the word? No, you're not. You are failing to exercise. And if you fail to exercise, you are in sin. If you are failing to exercise your faith, you are in sin. If you are failing to, to cast down fear, worry, and anxiety, you are in sin. If you are failing to cast out, to cast down your past, you are in sin. If you are failing to put those things which are behind, behind you, and move on into the things of God, you are in sin. If you are failing to push toward the mark of the high calling of God, you are in sin. If you, if you fail to get your flesh under control, you are in sin. I don't care what it is. If you are not controlling your feelings, Lord Jesus, if you are not controlling your feelings, you are in sin. I think 90% of the body of Christ just got put into sin. Because we are too busy going, I'm sick and tired of hearing, well, pastor, I feel, I feel, I feel, I feel. I'm sorry if it hurts your sensibility. I don't care what you feel. Because what you feel is a product of wrong thoughts and wrong emotions. Unless, unless what you feel is joy, love, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, meekness, faithfulness, and self-control. Now, if you feel those things, then you're living out of your spirit, in which case, then I'm thrilled with how you feel. Then I'm thrilled with how you feel. But, 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 but pastor, how, how do I, uh, what, you want me to do what? Choose. To live out of your spirit and not out of your emotions or your thoughts. Because if you live out of your emotions or you live out of your thoughts, you are failing to exercise godliness. You are failing to exercise godliness. Look at what he says. He says, for body, bodily exercise profiteth little. Now, he doesn't tell This is not an excuse to be fat and flabby. It's not an excuse. He said, but the reality is, is, yeah, you can exercise your body. I mean, there are people that dedicate their entire life, everything about their life, they dedicate to keeping this physical house as fit as humanly possible. And you know what? They still, if they have not received Jesus Christ, they still die and go to hell. 
There are people, I mean, we see it all the time. People that are extremely fit, they've got a great blood pressure, there's, there's the right amount of fat on their body, everything like this. They'll be running, they'll be exercising, and they fall over dead of a heart attack. Was it wrong for them to do that, all that exercise? No, it was perfectly right. It was perfectly right. There's pe- I mean, people are swimming in the pool and, fall, and, and cramp up and drown. Was it wrong for them to be swimming? No, it was perfectly right. But in the grand scheme of eternity, that effort profited them very little. Very, very little. It's right to exercise the body. In all honesty, the Lord's been dealing with me. I need to exercise more than I do, and I'm working on it. Praise God, getting there. But that's not my priority. It's wonderful, and it's good, and it's right, because I have an obligation to take care of the temple. Absolutely. But my priority before I take care of the temple is to take care of the spirit. That's the priority. And he said this. He said, for bodily exercise profit is little. But godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. The only way you are going to get the abundant life that Jesus came to promise you or came to give you, the only way to get that abundant life is to exercise godliness it's the only way you're going to get there which means which means that when your body wants to listen to that music that 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 feeds on the devil you have to say no body we're not going to listen to that when you just you've had a hard day a rough day you just want to go sit down and you just want to veg out your brain and you want to watch something on tv and everything you turn on is full of the devil and your spirit's talking to you, uh, that means that you have a choice to make. You either turn it off or turn on something good, or you turn or you turn it off and you turn on the word. You have a choice to make. You have a decision to make. Now, is God worth is God against you sitting down and relaxing and giving your body rest? No. In fact, he gave us one day a week that we should rest. So he's not against rest. What he's against is that when we rest, we rest in the presence of the devil. That's what he's against. When what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to rest in him. You can, I mean, you can just turn everything off and just be still and be quiet and and get the most precious rest you've ever had. Why? Because you're resting in him. Resting in him. So he said this. So he said he said, but godliness, it is more important to exercise your godliness than for it is for you to go to the gym. It's more important for you to exercise godliness than it is for you to get out there and, and, and take care of your physical body. Now, of course, if you're exercising godliness, you're not going to overeat. Do you hear me? If you're exercising godliness, you're not going to get over into gluttony. If you're exercising godliness, you're not going to put poisons into your body. Tobacco is poison. Vaping is poison. CDB is poison. Marijuana is poison. Speed, meth, coke, crank, 
any of that is poison. It's poison. Or too much sugar is poison. Too much artificial stuff is poison. It's poison. If you're exercising godliness, you're going to automatically begin to take care of the temple. If you're exercising godliness, you're not going to go hop into bed with somebody. If you're exercising godliness, ladies and guys are going to dress modestly. It's becoming an epidemic that even the men are beginning to not be modest in their dress. Those crazy shorts where everything falls out of them for the men are back in population. We don't want to see that. I don't know what is wrong with some of these ministers that get up in the pulpit with skinny jeans on and the family jewels are no longer a mystery to anybody. What are you doing? You're in the pulpit of God and your congregation does not need to be looking at the family jewels. Not only are they wearing skinny jeans, but they're wearing skinny dress pants, which are ten times worse. Well, they're dress pants. Well, they don't hide anything. They dress it up, if anything. Stop it. Stop it. We don't need to see that nonsense. In fact, if I see a minister wearing that nonsense, I'm scanning right on by. I'm scanning right on by. If you're out there going to the tattoo parlor, you are not exercising godliness. You are exercising fulfillment of the flesh. Sorry. If you are cussing, if you are bullying, if you are manipulating, if you are tearing down, if you are calling people stupid, dumb, and idiots, if you are judging, you are not exercising godliness. You are not exercising godliness. Go to 1 John. 1 John. Don't worry, I'll quit beating you up here in a little while. I'll quit beating you up here in a little while. First John chapter three. First John chapter three. Verse four. First John three verse four says, Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law. For sin is the transgression of the law. Well, Pastor, we're New Testament, we're not under the law. This is New Testament. And he said, if you sin, you've broken the law. Jesus did not do away with the law. Jesus fulfilled the law. So if you are following Jesus, you will not transgress or break the law. If you are not, if Jesus is the Lord of your life, and Jesus says, don't do that, and you go, no, no, Jesus, it's all right, I got this, you are breaking the law. That's simple. That's simple. And just because you say the words out of your mouth, well, Jesus is Lord, um, if your actions don't back it up, he's not the Lord of your life. He's not. He's not. Look at verse 5. He said, and you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Look at what it said. He said, you know this fact. You know that Jesus manifested. He was brought to this earth in physical form for the purpose to take away our sins. And in him is no sin. If you are in Christ, 
then there should be absolutely no sin in you anywhere. But here's the deal. It's your job and your obligation to not sin. Many, many Christians think, well, uh, if Jesus didn't want me to sin, he'd come float down from heaven and he'd stop me. No, he will not. You have free choice. You have free will. Well, if God, many, many Christians live by the fleece. God, if you, God, I want that man that's over there. That, I mean, I know he's already got a girlfriend, and they're engaged, and they're in the process of planning the wedding. But, Lord, if you mean him for to be me, if you mean for him to marry me and not her, well, then, God, just cause a butterfly to come land on my right shoulder. Guess what? The devil will send a butterfly to land on your right shoulder. You know better than that. You know the word says that if they, if they don't belong to you, they don't belong to you, and that you are not to lust. If you're lusting after that man, you are already in sin. Come on, we don't live by fleeces. Too many people. Well, God, if you want this to happen, if you want that to happen, then send a cloud that's shaped like an alligator above my head. Here comes a cloud shaped like an Honestly, it ain't shaped like nothing. You just said, well, that could be the eye. And that could be a mouth. and Well, that looks like that might be a tooth. I mean, if you turn your head this way and you kind of flip back like this and you lean forward like this and you get between those two branches on that tree, you can clearly and plainly see it's an alligator. No. 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 No, we don't do that. Absolutely not. If you are in Christ, listen to me. If you are in Christ, if you've received him as your Lord and Savior, then there should be absolutely no sin in your life. You should be able to boldly proclaim and be truthful about it. There is no active sin in my life. There is no active sin in my life. You mean you can, you can actually live and not sin? Yes, it's your choice to sin. It's your choice to choose to do wrong when you know to do right. And you know what's right because you've got Jesus on the inside, the Holy Ghost on the inside telling you, don't you do that. Don't you do that. If you don't hear that voice, it's because you've hardened your heart. If you don't hear that voice, it's because your spirit is nourished, is weak on nourishment. If you don't hear the voice of your spirit, it is because you are not feeding on the word. Do you hear me? If you cannot hear your spirit correct you, it is because you are not feeding on the word. Too many spirit-filled, tongue-talking Christians spend, once, you, once they get a revelation that they're supposed to pray all the time, they'll pray all the time and they'll use it to replace the, the feeding of the word. I heard a minister put it this way, and I thought, man, that's so good. I'd love to take credit for it, but I'll give credit where credit's due. It was Pastor Craig uh, Fields in Mississauga, Ontario. He explained it this way, and I thought, man, that's so good. He said this. He said, he said the word nourishes, feeds your spirit like food nourishes and feeds your body. Praying in the Holy Ghost is like going to the gym. It exercises your spirit. If all you ever did was go to the gym and you only were force-fed a meal once or twice, at, or twice a week at church, 
How do you think your body is going to be? Not good. It's not going to be good. It's not going to be long before your body is so weak that it's in the hospital. Your spirit is the same way. You have to have a balanced diet. And, and yeah, as good as I preach because I yield to the Holy Ghost, not lifting myself up, the preaching's good because of the Holy Ghost. But as good as I preach, that's not enough to sustain you. That's not enough to sustain me. I've got to get in the Word. Well, my schedule's busy. You can, listen, uh, do you find time to eat a meal during your day? Do you, do you find time? Do you find time to put food in your belly? I guarantee you. Even if you don't do nothing more than drive through a drive through Drive through a drive through and, 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 and make an order and pay. And then you take the time to stuff that food in your mouth. You can do the word on drive through Don't you know? I know I've got two different apps on my phone that will read the word to me. I can, pre- I can get in my car and I can tell it I want to re- listen to this chapter over and over and over again. Okay. Uh, do you ever go sit on the toilet? I know you take your phone with you. Instead of turning on that game or looking at social media, why don't you pop open that Bible app? Come on. Why don't you take the bulletin and set the bulletin uh, in your car or wherever you are? It only takes a couple of minutes to read it. Confess it. Meditate on it. The Bible tells us that we're to meditate, which means we're to speak, we're to continually have the word of God in our mouth. If we're not speaking the word, then we're not feeding, and we're in sin. It's very easy to feed on the word, very easy to feed on the word. Some of the most faithful people in the world only have a portion of Scripture. Some of the most faithful people in the world only have a portion of Scripture. Pastor, what are you talking about? In these communist nations, these communist nations, I heard a minister recently say he had gone to uh, China to church underground, and uh, they don't have Bibles. And if they get caught with a Bible, they go to prison for three to five years. And so he asked them, he said, well, I'm here, I'm in the underground church, what happens if I get busted? They said, oh, they'll just ship you back home. Well, what will happen to you? Oh, we'll go to jail for three to five years, and they'll take our Bible. Well, what do you do during those three to five years? Oh, somebody will slip us in a little piece of paper with a portion of Scripture on it, and we, and we memorize it. We memorize it. And the woman he was talking to could quote large portions of the New Testament that she had memorized one Scripture at a time. Didn't have the whole Bible. That's, that's called commitment to God. That's called exercising. That's called exercising your faith. He said this. Continue on. Verse 6. He said, Whosoever abideth in him does what? Sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither know him. If you have sin in your life, Listen to me, Christian. Now we've got a good congregation. We've got a good congregation. You guys are doing your best to walk the walk that you know how to walk. But look at what God said. 
he said, and whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth, if you've got active sin in your life, has not seen God, nor neither know him. These are the words of the Holy Spirit, which means these are the words of Jesus, which means these are the words of God. Because Jesus only says what God says, and, God, and the Holy Spirit only says what Jesus says. So if there's any sin in your life, you do not know God. You don't. You don't know him. He said this. He said, little children, let no man deceive you. If there's a man out there teaching you that you can be in sin and you're okay, he's, that's deceiving you because he says this. He said, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. You are as righteous as your deeds are. Did you hear me? You are as righteous as your deeds are. You are as righteous as your thoughts are. Now, can you prevent a thought from coming? No. But if it's a wrong thought, you have the, if you are walking in righteousness and it is a wrong thought, what are you to do with it? You are to not only cast it, but you are to bring it into obedience of Christ. It's a two-part thing. You don't just say, no, I don't receive that. You say, absolutely, get out of here, and this is the truth. It's a two-part step. It's not enough to just cast it. You have to cast it, and then you have to speak the truth. You've got to take that very thought and bring it into the obedience of Christ. It's a two-step process. Many, many Christians only do one of the two steps. Do what? Does she ask, does the first one really, this is a genuine question. She asked, will the first one casting it really actually work if you don't do the second step? The reality is not effectively. That thought will keep coming and keep coming and keep coming and keep coming because you're throwing it in the trash can and it's hopping right back out. You're throwing it away and it's hopping right back out. You have to submit to God and resist the devil. And the devil does not like it when you contradict him. If you don't contradict him, he sees it as you are in agreement with him. Which if you don't contradict him, he thinks that you're giving him license to continually bring the thought. To continually bring the thought. This is why Jesus said, uh, cast it and bring it into obedience. Verse 8, he said, he that committeth sin is of the devil. He, the person, the individual, he, she, whoever it is, he that chooses on purpose to commit sin, or he on purpose chooses to not remove the sin out of their life, is of the devil. Did you catch that? I'm just, if you're getting upset, all I'm doing is reading the word. He said this. He said, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the, the works of the devil. If God is alive in you, you have everything in you to destroy the work of sin in your life. By the way, this title of the sermon today is the first devils you must cast out. The first devils you must cast out. The first devils you must cast out. Look at this, verse 9. He said, whosoever is born of God doeth not commit sin. 
If you are born of God, if you are of God, if you have been born again, you do not commit sin. For his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. Now, let me be very clear what this means. Where it says his seed, that's talking about God's DNA. God's DNA is in your spirit, man. The real you, the spirit you that is alive unto God, it is impossible for the real you to sin. It is absolutely impossible. What is the part of you that sins is the part of you that has the DNA or the seed of Satan. And the part of you that has the seed of Satan, the DNA of Satan, is your flesh, is your mind and your emotions. That's the part of you that sins. Your spirit doesn't sin. Your flesh sins. So what do you have to do so that the two get in agreement? You have to choose to live out of your spirit instead of living out of your flesh and your emotions. You have to choose. You have to make that decision. Go to Esther chapter 4. Esther chapter 4. Esther chapter 4. Well, y'all go to Esther chapter 4. I think I'm going to make a stop off somewhere. Hold on, let me look. Y'all go ahead and go to Esther chapter 4. Brooke, if you'll bring up Mark or Matthew twenty four twenty one. Matthew twenty four twenty one on the screen while they go to Esther. It says For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not seen from the beginning of the world uh, to this time. No, nor ever shall be. As we are appro- we are in the time of um, sorrows. We're right here at the very end of the church age dispensation. And, and, and when the church gets called out of here, then who's left is going to go into great and going to go into what's called the great tribulation. At the end of the time of sorrows and into the time of great tribulation, it says this. It says, then shall be great tribulation, such as not seen uh, since the beginning of the world. We are right at the cusp of, of entering into that time. We're right at the cusp, which means everything's getting set up for this extreme tribulation. We are seeing hardships in our nation like we've never seen before. We're seeing plagues. We're seeing demonic activities. We're seeing demonic manifestations. We're seeing Christians persecuted. We're seeing once upon a time where it was, oh, you're a Christian man. That's you're in the in crowd. You're not a Christian. You're in the out crowd. We are now, we are, we see Christians being taken to court. We see Christians losing their jobs. We see Christians losing their income. We see people being persecuted and shut down. We are in this great, we are in the beginning of this time. 
uh, we're in this time of sorrows. Um, I want you to go to uh, Mark chapter thir- Brooke, if you'll look up, if you'll bring up Mark 13, 19. You can go back and read these chapters in full, and you'll see he'll talk about the time of sorrows. Then he talks about the time of tribulations. Mark 13 says this, For in those days there shall be affliction, such as was not from the beginning of creation, which God created unto this time, neither shall be. In other words, God is allowing this time of affliction to come. Why? Because people don't come to Christ when it's rainbows and puppy toes. Now let's look at Esther chapter 4 because I want, to, I want you to see something. I've been being kind of hard, kind of beaten yet here. But I, I, want you to, I want you to understand that every person, every person called to this house, Every, part, every person called to true churches of God, every person that senses that God has a plan and a purpose for their life in this day, in this hour, um, there's a reason that you're here. I want you to look at Esther chapter 4, verse 14. Well, we'll look up to verse 13. Uh, but here, Esther, Esther was in a time that was very, very unique. She was of Jewish descent. She was taken into the king's court, not the Jews' court, but the, the secular court, uh, by the king. Uh, she was taken in and, uh, because she was beautiful, because she was knowledgeable, she was beautiful, she was pristine. She was, I mean, she was just, she was just beautiful. She was just a gift of God. And this king took her to potentially be his wife. And so she got taken into the courts, and she was all made up and all of this. And, and uh, she hid that she was a Jew we could say she hid that she was a Christian uh, because she was in fear. And um, the, the king's people kind of conspired against the king and different things like this. Long story short, basically the, the, the Lord, the, the, these people got the king to put out a decree to kill all of the Jews. Every Jew everywhere, kill them all. But Esther had caught the attention of the king. And she had an uncle by the name of Mordecai. And Mordecai came to her and gave her the report that all of the Jews, all of her family, all of her descendants were going to be destroyed by this king. And she looked at her, she looked at her uncle Malachi and said, what do you want me to do about this? And he said, I want you to go to the king and I want you to plead our case. Get him to change his mind. And she's like, why? When I do that, as soon as he finds out I'm a Jew, I'm just as dead. I'm just as dead. And uh, then Mordecai uh, commanded to answer Esther, verse 13, Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape the king's house more than all the Jews. He said, he, he said, he said look at this, and here's the deal. Our Christians are coming under such persecution that they think they can hide and avoid the persecution. At some point, they're going to figure it out. At some point, the devil's going to come to take you down. At some point, and that's what he was telling, that's what Mordecai was saying. He said, do you think that at some point he's not going to come get you? And he said this to her. He said, for if, if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, uh, he said, at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. He said, if you're not going to stand up, God's going to get us from somewhere else. 
he said, okay, if you're not going to do it, okay, God will figure something out because he's got total trust in God. He said, but thy and thy father's house shall be destroyed. He said, God will rescue the Jews because Mordecai understood this. He understood God always has a remnant. He always has somebody that will take a stand for him. He always has somebody that will walk the walk. He, he always has somebody that will talk the talk. Always. But it's going to cost the majority of the nation because she wouldn't stand up. And that's what he was making her known. He said, and who knoweth rather thou art come to this kingdom for such a time is this each and every one of you and I'm I, online I, I promise this applies to you but I in in-house I know each and every one of you personally I know each and every one of you I know the battles you've been up against I know the hardships that you've come that you've come through I know the things the, de- the I know the desperate places in your life I know the attacks that Satan's brought to you And I'm telling you that Satan's come against you the way he's come against you because God created each and every one of you for such a time as this. He has put in your DNA, there is something in each and every one of your DNA that has not been in the DNA of most Christians. What is in you is a tenacity, a will. There's a provision. I know it. And the, devil's, and the devil knows it, and the devil's used it for his, for his good instead of yours. There is something in each and every one of you that when down in your seat, down in the center of who you are, when you make a decision for something, you are unmovable off of it. I don't care how many times I talk to you. I don't care how many times I encourage you. I don't, know how, I, I don't care how many different ways I say it. I don't care what I bring to you. You are completely unmovable. And God put that in you for such a time as this, for his season, for his glory, and for his power. You yourself have to make the determination that that thing that he put down in you, you are going to use for him. You have to decide in the center of who you are that you are going to serve God and you are going to turn from sin and you are never going to give Satan a position and that you will not be moved and that you will not back down because God has a plan and a purpose for each one of us because we have been called to birth the next dispensation of God. And what is that dispensation? The millennial reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are the ones that are going to have to be unmovable. In Elijah's day, there were 7,000. There were 7,000 that refused to bow their knee to Baal, to Satan. And God has reserved each and every one of you. Several of you have said, why am I even here? What is my purpose? Why, Why has God picked me for this time? Because he has placed something in you that when you commit it to God, you will not be moved off of him. 
It's something unique. It's something different. It's something unwaverable. It's something that you, honestly, it's something that will, that, that will cause you to squarely look Satan in the eye and go, whatever you, what? It is something that will cause you to literally look at Satan and go, ha, 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 you stupid devil. I got the power and authority in the name of Jesus. Get out of my way. There's something in you that will cause you to be unmovable for God. But here's the deal. It's your choice to position that gift that God's placed in you in God's hands. It's your choice. It's your choice to say, I have been created for such a time as this. I've been created to live in the time of sorrows, to be a to be a prayer warrior. To be a prayer warrior. That's where Brother Richard's fixing to go. He's fixing to go into the desert place, so to speak, into a geographic position that is so incredibly seeped in sin. And he said, now listen, if y'all understand this, Mr. Richard was a Marine. There is something about the, those that go into the Marines that they've got that tenacity. They've got that no quit. I won't quit. I won't surrender. I'm taking the hill that God told me to take, and I will not relent it, and I will not let it go. This is the mindset that this nation was founded upon. What was it? What was it there on that hill, on that rampart at the birth of our nation that caused men and women and children to go to that rampart? When that, when bombs were exploding on that flag, to make sure that that flag did not fall. It was that, it was that, that same thing that was in them back there is the same thing that's in us. It's a no quit for God. The question is, is will you unearth it? Will you uncover it? And will you dig into it and make the decision? I'm going on with God. This is what I don't listen. Y'all can all walk out the door tomorrow today and say, Pastor, that's too high of a call. And I'm still going to stand right here and I'm going to preach. I'm still going to stand right here and preach. Why? Because that's what God told me to do. I'm going to stand here and preach. I have, I don't have any active sin in my life. I don't. I don't cuss. I don't drink. I don't have sex outside of marriage. I don't. I don't tear people down. I had, listen, I had full, I had every right power and ability. I mean, I had everything handed to me this week to absolutely lose my mind in anger. It's between you and God. Either you're going to walk it or you're not. It's your choice. Your decision. And I sat there in awe at myself. Why? Because I've chosen to live out of my spirit and not out of my flesh. I've absolutely chosen. Now, there's a big difference between righteous indignation and just fleshly Donald Duck temper. There's a big difference between it. Big difference. Yeah, righteous indignation gets something accomplished. Donald Duck tempters, all that does is offend people. There ain't nothing, huh? Righteous indignation is scary. It is scary. It is scary. 
absolutely is scary. Absolutely. That's exactly what it does. It brings on reverential fear. I said, I told somebody this week, I said, boy, I said, this is righteous indignation. I said, aren't you glad you're getting it from me and not directly from Jesus? And they said, I don't want it from Jesus. If it's coming from you like this, I don't want it from Jesus. No, you don't. Go to Mark 16. Mark 16. Mark 16, verse 15 says this. And he said unto them, so Jesus is saying unto you, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Listen, you bet the first creature you need to preach the gospel to is yourself. The first person you need to preach to is yourself. And you need to preach to yourself 24-7. You want to know how I got this pulpit? I learned to preach to myself 24-7. I preached to my birds. I preached to my dogs. I preached to my cat. I preached to my husband. I preached to my mom. I preached to anybody that would open the door. And honestly, I'd keep preaching even after they left. I'd preach to the wind. I'd preach to the trees. I don't care. He said, go preach. So I went and I preached. You know what preach means? Preach simply means to proclaim. I chose to proclaim God everywhere I went. I wasn't looking for a pulpit. In fact, I didn't want the pulpit. In fact, I did everything I could to not get the pulpit. I hid in corners. I hid from my pastor, my pastor's wife. When I knew she was getting ready to say, oh, by the way, God talked to me, I hid. I hid in a little tiny bookstore where there was no place to hid, but I found a way and I hid. And she said, oh, by the way, God told me that you and your husband are supposed to be our youth leaders. And I went, uh, 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 what am I going to do? Sin and lie to my pastor? What am I going to do? Sin and lie to my pastor? I'd already heard from the voice of God. So, okay, stepped into leaders. And, and then God, listen, you don't have, if you've got a calling, you don't need to force your call. If you've been called, you don't need to force your call. All you need to do is serve where God has placed you, be obedient, get the sin out of your life, be obedient, do what God has called you to do, and God will open the doors for you. You don't need to force your platform. Now, if God tells you to do certain things, you go do them. But not in a forceful way. You just go be obedient, let God, and leave it in his hands. Just go leave it in his hands. He's, but, he, but this is what Jesus told us to do. He said, go to all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You're a creature. Preach to yourself. Preach to yourself. Preach to yourself. Brianna texted me last night. She did. She texted me last night. And, she, and, she, and I complimented her. And she said, thank you, Pastor. I received that. And I said, good job. I'm so proud of you. And she said, I'm laughing at myself because I hear myself go, you need to take captive of that. You need, you need to take care of that thought right there. And I said, praise God. That's how it works. A thought comes in your head and your spirit goes, take care of that. You go, yes, sir. And you take care of it. That's how it works. The spirit says, don't do that. Don't be alone with those people. Don't get in that situation. Don't go over there. You don't go over there. The devil tells you, or, or God, I'm sorry, God tells you, uh, you need to learn to stand on your own two feet. Start standing on your own two feet. God tells you, you need to pay your own bills. Do what you got to do to pay your bills. God tells you, uh, hello, I said that you're the workmanship of my hands. Learn to accept it. Somebody wants to bless you, take the blessing and don't try to bless them back. Just be blessed. Just be blessed. Learn. Grow. Grow. 
He said, he that believeth and is baptized means saturated, dipped repeatedly. You need to dip yourself repeatedly on a continual basis in the word of God. Do not wait to come to church to get dipped. Dip yourself in the word. Dip yourself in prayer. Dip yourself in righteous living. Continually dip yourself. I tell you what, just put yourself in the living water of God and refuse to get out of the tub. Seriously. Get you get good over into the living water of God and refuse to get out. Your body will go, I'm pretty, I don't like this, I really want to go sin. Uh, body, the longer you give me a hard time, the longer we're going to sit in this living water. We're going to sit in this, we'll live in water until you stop complaining. And after you stop complaining, well, we're just going to move in and live. We're just going to live in the, in the living water. He that is baptized. Look at what it says. He that believeth. If you believe Jesus, then just be baptized. Get in the living water and stay submerged. Shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. Do you want to be damned? Nope. Then look at this. He says, these signs shall follow them that do what? That believe. These signs do not automatically happen in your life. You have to believe for them to happen. You have to believe. You have to begin to speak this out of your mouth. You have to begin to say these things. You have to begin to walk by faith. You have to say, I cast out demons in Jesus' name. I, because that's what it says, these things, these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. I cast out devils in Jesus' name. Say it. Cast out devils in Jesus' name. Now, when you say that, you automatically get an idea of a big red creature. Oh, I'm going to get that devil. No. The first devil you need to deal with in your life is this devil right here. Because this devil right here, your flesh has the DNA of Satan in it. And the first devil that you must contend with is the devil that controls your flesh. The devil that controls your mind. The devil that controls your emotions. That is the first demon that you must cast out. If you cannot make yourself sit down, shut up, and behave, if you cannot make yourself sit down, shut up, and think the right thoughts, if you cannot make yourself sit down, shut up, and feel the right things, you will never make any other demon obey you. Obey you. You never will. The greatest victory in my life, it was such a cool victory in my life, because the devil was trying to convince me that he had a hold of me. He, I, I, he, he just did. Well, you, you don't do this exactly right. You don't do this exactly right. And I'm like, well, I don't do it the way you want it done, but I'm doing it. Like, hello. But the devil just was convinced. Ah, I, got, I got you now, blah, blah, blah. And the greatest victory in my life was I sitting in one of Brother Randy's meetings, and, and Brother Randy said this. He said, you will never cast a demon out of another person until you cast the demons out of your own life. Did you hear me? Everybody reads this and they're like, ooh, I can't wait to go get me a demon. Come on, let's go hunt some demons. Let's go get them. Until you get the demons out of your own life, you will never cast a demon out of another person. Never. Absolutely not. The very first demons that you must contend with are the demons that torment your life. The demons that talk you into, out of, uh, talk you into sex outside of marriage. The demons that talk you into depression. 
The demons that talk you into fear. The demons that talk you into worry. The demons that talk you into anxiety. The demons that talk you into cussing. The demons that talk you into smoking and drinking. The demons that talk you into bullying. The demons that talk you into uncontrolled anger. The demons that control you to not, that, that get a hold of you and prevent you from reading the word. The demons that keep you bound up and, and, and occupied with other things than God. You have to deal with those first. You have to. Those are the ones you have to deal with first. Well, Pastor, how do I deal with them? So glad you asked. So glad you asked. Well, and, and, and here's the deal. Well, Pastor, it doesn't. It doesn't. It, you didn't even finish these verses. Well, no, because the first one you got to deal with is the devils. Yeah, you can speak with other tongues, but you. But but it's talking about public tongues. It's talking about the ministry of tongues, because these are ministry gifts. You will not operate in the ministry gift of tongues until you get the demons out of your life. It says, if you, it says uh, they'll speak with new tongues. It's talking about ministry tongues, not private personal tongues. They shall take up serpents. That means that when you are out doing the work of Christ, when you are, when you, when you are out doing what God has called you to do, should something harmful like a serpent get in your way, or should you come up against the devil trying to prevent you, you will be able to tread over them. You will be able to take them, you will be able to handle them without them being able to stop you. And if you drink any deadly thing, if any deadly thing comes your way, you and listen, when you're out there living, when you're out there working for Jesus, when Jesus has called you out into the ministry field, when Jesus calls you out to go to some of these nations out there and they set down before you, Food that jiggles and wiggles and looks back at you. Uh, our bodies are not accustomed to that. When they, when you listen, my my my, uh, my brother-in-law years ago went over to Thailand and over to that area, and he went into a restaurant and he sent us a picture of what was on the buffet. I'm, you know, we, you know, we're Christians. We like buffets, right? Yeah. You know what they had on their buffet? They had grubs. And spiders and worms and, and and some of them were cooked and some of them were wiggling and a jiggling and this was a buffet in a restaurant a nice restaurant and they're eating bugs what are you going to do when Jesus calls you to Thailand and you go and they say oh come on we're going to take you to the best restaurant in town and they and they belly you up to a to a buffet full of bugs what you going to do you are going to bless that food. You are going to believe that you're going to thank Jesus that nothing you eat will harm you. You're going to go over there. You're going to get you a big old scoop of them bugs, and you're going to eat them. Because if you don't, you're going to insult the very people you're trying to bring to Christ. Aren't you glad that nothing you eat will hurt you? I didn't say you had to chew it. Listen. Listen. God will never send you to lay hands on somebody and get them recovered until you deal with the devils in your own life. God will never use you to lay hands on the sick until you get the devils out of your own life. Not like he wants to. It might be a little sporadic here. 
It might be a little sporadic there. He might do it enough to kind of stir you to saying, man, this life in God's pretty cool. But he will not use you on a big scale, on a big public scale, until you get the sin out of your life. This is why I will not hesitate to set somebody down in the church. Listen to me. This is why I will not hesitate. I have seen too many people who have had active sin in their life take a position of authority in the church, and the devil just ate them for lunch. Therefore, if somebody in service in our church is dealing with a situation, I will not hesitate to say, you need to sit down for a little while till you get this issue resolved in your life. I'm not punishing them. I am helping them. I'm not being mean to them. And if you figure out, and if you know that about me, and you, and you figure out somebody's been sat down, it ain't your business why they've been sat down. It's none of your business why they've been sat down. It's your business to pray for them, that they overcome and conquer that, whatever that issue is. Well, Pastor, I don't know what the issue is, so how, do I, how can I pray for it? That's why you got the Holy Ghost. That's why you pray in other tongues. Pastor, God, all I know is they got sat down and it ain't none of my business, so I release my spirit to pray. Don't come in the house saying, well, the Holy Ghost told me all their business because that's not who my Holy Ghost is. You went gossiping and figured it out for your dang self. Gossip. Gossip. Do what? No. No, because now they're in fear. Everybody knows. Everybody's judging me. No. Pray for them. We pray for them. We pray for them. But you've got to get these demons out of your life. How do you get the demon out? How do you get these things out? Oh, man, it's so simple. Oh, it's so simple. So simple. Who can tell me where I'm going? I know, I know Brother uh, Mari can. Do what? Well, Jude's a good one. What did you say? Well, that's a good one, too. She said 2 Corinthians 10. Oh, James. Oh, we're going to the book of James. James 4-7. Come on. James 4-7. Come on. See, y'all got a good pastor who taught you right where to go. When you're struggling, when you recognize you got an issue in your life, Submit yourself, therefore, unto God. In other words, start being a doer of the word, but don't stop there. Don't just say, well, I'm going to submit to God, but I'm going to keep the sin in my life. No, I'm, just, you know, I'm, I'm going to submit to God, but I'm going to hide that I'm sinning. Don't do that. Submit, God, submit yourself to God and resist the devil, which means you've got to get your mouth moving. No, I'm not going to do this. No, I'm not going to do this. Listen, I'd sit down to read my Bible. I'll give you some examples here. i got five minutes. I'd sit down to read my Bible, and the devil would get all over me. I'd sit down to read my Bible, and all of a sudden that, that learning disability where comprehension was a problem would all of a sudden show up in my life. And I mean, it was a struggle just to read half of a half, half a third of a of a single verse. I here I am. I'm trying to submit to God, and the devil's just. Psh, psh, psh. Do you think I just said, "Well, I can't read it. 
I don't understand it. It's not any good. I'm, that's just not my gift. So I guess I'll just close the Bible and move on. And someday, miraculously, hopefully, I'll just start reading the Bible. Do you think that's what I did? Absolutely not what I did. <laughs> because it ain't going to happen that way. I literally said out of my mouth, Satan, I have authority over you. I am going to read body. I have authority over you. Mind, I have authority over you. I'm going to sit here and I'm going to read my Bible for however much time I had decided I was going to read it, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever it was. We'll say for, the, for this example that I was going to sit down for 10 minutes. Satan, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to read for 10 minutes. Body, I'm going to sit down and read for 10 minutes. Mind, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to read for 10 minutes. And I'm either going to get it and I'm going to understand it and I'm going to hear from heaven or I'm going to make you sit here for 20 minutes and read. And if you mess with me, I'm going to make you sit here for 30 minutes. And if you keep messing with me, I'm going to sit here for 40 minutes. Well, Pastor, did you ever have to sit there for 40 minutes? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So then I come to go, so, well, okay, so you sat there. Well, did you have a problem next time you sat down? Yep. So what did I say this time? Body, mind, Satan, shut up, hear from heaven, read this word, don't interfere with me. I'm sitting here reading this word for 10 minutes, and if you mess with me, I'm going to double the time. So I went from 10 minutes to 30 minutes right off the bat. Because 10, 10 and 10 is 20, and I, so I just added it to the clock. Well, how'd you do? 15 minutes in, I added another half hour because it was still a problem. 15 minutes in. Now I'm up to 30 minutes, and, and, I, and I was doing good, and all of a sudden it's a problem. And I said, body, Satan, I told you, you mess with me, I'm going to double your time. I was, I, I was set to quit in another 15 minutes, but here you are harassing me, so now you're going to sit here for, uh, for an additional 45 total. The 15 I still, uh, I still have and the 30 that I doubled. How long do you end up sitting there, Pastor? An hour and a half. An hour and a half. Why? Because I was willing to pay the price and resist the devil for as long as it took. How'd you get past cussing? Because I didn't just cuss and then go, oh, I'm sorry. I cussed. I shouldn't have done that. No. No. See, this body... Right now, at that point in time, was being ruled and reigned by the devil. And the devil hates to be mocked. And guess what? This right here is the seed of the devil, and the flesh also hates to be mocked. So, when I cussed, I, my spirit, from that place down on the inside where I made the decision that I was going to commit to God, when I cussed, I forced myself. To go to the person and not just say, I'm sorry, I cussed, I shouldn't have, I'm sorry. Oh, it's okay, we all do it, and turn around and walk off. No, no, no. I would force myself with fear and trembling, shaking, and force myself to go over there and not go, I'm really sorry. No, I force myself to look that person in the eye, and I force myself to say, listen, I'm sorry, I cussed, 
I'm a Christian. I shouldn't talk that way. It costs me to lose my witness, which damages people's faith in Christ. And therefore, I'm very sorry that I cussed. I should have spoken this way. Please forgive me. And they go, oh, no, it's okay. We all do it. No, it's not okay. I'm sorry. I cussed. I shouldn't have. I'm a Christian. That causes me to lose my witness. That damages people's faith in Christ. And therefore, I'm very sorry. I'm bringing my flesh under control. I'm training myself not to do that. And I'm sorry. Will you please forgive me? Oh, it's okay. No. And I do the whole speech again. And I do the whole speech again. And there were some people I had to do the speech five and six times before they figured out. It's okay. You're, you're, I forgive you. Why? Because I was bringing, it wasn't about getting them to say you're, for, you're, you're forgiven. It was about making my flesh obey. It was about making my flesh obey. Then, oh, so, so got the cussing under control. Then here came the um, people come talk to me. And I'm over here by my, then it came, I'm so sorry. I need you. To, I'm sorry. I know you're talking to me. I know this is important to you, but I wasn't listening to you. I, that's not a good Christian. God tells me that I need to be quick to hear, and I failed to hear you. Let, give me just a second. Let me get my now. I need you to please start over. No, no, no. It's fine. It's okay. It wasn't that important. No, it is important. I'm now listening. They start their story. My mind will go, and I'd have to go. I'm sorry. Excuse me, I need to get you to stop. I need you to start completely over. I'm trying to get my brain under control. What was it about? It was about getting my flesh under control. I didn't allow ADD, ADHD, anything like that to have control. I made my mind say, I made myself say repeatedly, I was not listening to you. How many times did I do that through you for the years? Many times. Many times. And it was torturous for him and for me and for all the teens. Listen, if you don't know, if you know anything about teens, they got to tell you the whole story with all the details. And even the details that don't have anything to do with the details. They got to tell you the whole thing. Yeah. It takes some time. Yeah, you got to know every person, all their back history. Okay, I need you to start over. Then, so dealt with the cussing, dealt with the not paying attention. Then this was the fun one. Oh, this was great. Excuse me, I'm sorry. I just lied to your face. You asked me this. I told you this. That was a bold-faced lie. I'm a Christian. I'm not supposed to lie. I lost my witness. That's not okay. I need you to, I, 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 I'm asking for your forgiveness, and oh, by the way, here's the truth. Oh, it's okay, we all tell white lies. No, you don't understand. I'm sorry, I lied to your face. This is why I don't care to call people out. I don't care. I just look at you. You just bold-faced lied to me. Why? Because it's their flesh, not their spirit. And their flesh has a hold of them. Now, here's the deal. I don't call out the sinner on the street because a sinner going to do what a sinner going to do. But you, my brother or sister in Christ, and I know you're lying to my face, I'm calling you out. 
I'm calling you out. And I expect you to call us out. The Bible tells us that we're to hold our brothers and sisters accountable in love. Why? Because we understand that if they're walking in the flesh, Satan has a hold of their life. And it's our job to cast those demons out. Or at least call them out. The first demons that you must cast out are the ones that are in your life. The demons of wrong thoughts. The demons of fear, worry, anxiety, insecurities. Whatever it is. Sin. Whatever it is. Those are the first demons that you must deal with. You must. And how you're going to deal with them is you are going to, you have to bring your spirit under the control authority of your, you've got to bring your flesh under the control and authority of your spirit. Your spirit, the real you, the eternal part of you, the part of you that belongs to God will not sin. So when your flesh, when your mind, when your emotions Want you to sin, you've got to make the decision on the inside. Um, no, I'm not going to do that. I want you to think about this. Would you let somebody bully you? Think about it. We, we did for years. But, but I mean, if you, if you really cared about yourself, would you let somebody bully you? Why allow yourself to bully the real you? Why allow the why would you allow your flesh, your mind, your emotions to bully the real you? Exactly. I'm the authority. The real me, the eternal part of me, the Holy Ghost me is the boss. But you have to get a revelation that the real you is the boss and you have to make that decision. You've got to come to the realization that God created me for such a time as this, and I have it in me to take a stand for God and not quit, and that standing for God starts with me. Listen, I used to, I used to battle depression. I, now, I say I used to. Do I have days where I wake up and I just feel down and depressed and I feel like there's a ceiling over my head? Absolutely. But then I have to check with my spirit Spirit, what do I do with this? Oh, spirit goes, <laughs> and I go, oh, okay. Because my spirit never has a down and a depressed day. Never. My spirit is never anything but full of joy. Oh, well, this is the day. Well, my spirit says that this is the day the Lord has made, so I will rejoice and be glad. So guess what, body? Get in line. Guess what, body? Guess what, emotions? Get in agreement with Jesus. Get in agreement with the Spirit. The Spirit says we're joyful today. How do you get joyful today? You put joy in your mouth. If you have to put on praise music and blast it so you can't hear the thoughts of Satan, then do it. Then do it. But do not listen to the devil. Do not spout what the devil says. I'm trying to let go. I'm trying to let go. But listen, you and only you can make the decision. 
You and only you can make the decision that you are going to follow God. Only you can decide. Your friends can't decide this for you. Your family can't decide this for you. Your own brain cannot decide this for you. The place that I'm talking about, the place that I'm talking about where you have to make this decision is the same place that you made the decision for Christ. That place down on the inside, that place that at the end of the day, this is the way I always described it for the kids when we're talking about the new birth. You know, when it comes to receiving Jesus, I'm talking about you can't receive it in your head, you can't receive it with emotion. The place where, you know, no matter what your relationship is with mom and dad, whatever, you know, we're not talking about you want to go to the movies so you want to put mom and dad in a good mood so you go clean their rooms or clean the house or do whatever, and then you go to mom and dad and you go, hey, and they go, what did you do to earn this? No, I'm not talking about that place. I'm talking about that place where you go to mom and dad and you go, and you just, you just say mom or dad, I just want you to know that I love you. And they go, what did you do? And you go, no, seriously, seriously, I didn't do anything. I don't want anything. Just down on the inside, I need you to know that I love you. It's from that same place that you have to say, okay, God, I get it. You created me for such a time as this. I get it. For however long it's been, I've been, I've been handing over that, that what, what you put in me, I've been using it to serve the devil. But, but Father, not anymore. Father, today is the day I choose. That gift that you placed in me that says, I don't care what comes, this is who I am, this is the way I'm going to be, and this is the way I'm going to walk. From that place, you have to make that determination, God, that place now belongs to you. And when you make that choice, and then you begin to make the, and then you begin to be a doer of the word, before you realize it, you will begin to start to walk in the abundance that Jesus came to give you. And it's that simple. You will begin. It's from that place that you will begin to cast those demons out of your life. And you know what? This is the milk of the word. The milk of the word is you've got to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Actually make him the Lord of your life. That means that even the parts of the Bible that you don't agree with and that you don't like. I liked being a drinker. The word said don't drink. Okay, Lord. There's hard days. And the thought goes floating by, man, I'd like to have a drink. No, get away from you, you stupid devil. No, I ain't doing that. What are you, stupid? devil doesn't like it when you call him stupid. He don't like it. But he is. He's stupid. He thought he was bigger and better than God. Derek, if you'll come. Father, we thank you for your word. We do our tithes and offerings. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your mercy. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Do we have a date? Not yet. All right. I believe we'll have it this week. I believe we'll have a date this week. Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. We honor you. We love you with everything that we have, Father. Father, we're so thankful for all that you are and all that you do. Oh, Father, it's a privilege. Now, Lord, 
normally in a service like this, I would pray a prayer of commitment. But Lord, this is a commitment that we can't, that I can't pray. I can't make it for him. I've already made that commitment. But Lord, I ask that you speak to each and every person's heart. That you set, that you help them to find that place. That you help them to settle it in their heart what their decision is, and that when they make that decision, that Father, you would just help it to be an easy transition I know there'll be challenges I know there'll be struggles I know there'll be adversities I know there'll be sufferings but father you can make it easier on them and so father I thank you for your loving kindness and your goodness and father as we as we sow our tithes and our offerings we thank you for your goodness your love and your mercy father we thank you for all that you are and all that you do and Father, we thank you that your word is true, that Satan has asked, that Satan has to take his hands off of our increase, that he's been bound, and that we can that we bind him by faith. We command him to release all of our finances, all of our increase. We command the angels of God to go and get our increase, not just financially, but emotionally, physically, financially, every area of life, friends, fellowship, family of God. And, Father, we just give you all the glory and honor. We thank you that your word is true. Your word is working in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Mr. Derek, you may serve the people. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus.